This episode was recorded several weeks before COVID-19 became a hot topic global issue that we're now living in, but in some ways it makes the content even more applicable to what we're facing currently. In today's episode, I interviewed twin sisters, moms, political junkies, former White House and Capitol Hill staffers, Andrea Reeve and Brittany Richmond, who are both incredibly passionate about American politics. Andrea and Brittany answer some of my toughest questions about how to get the very most well-rounded and credible news sources to form your own opinions, how to talk to your kids about politics, how to be good as citizens and neighbors, how to talk about things that matter with people you love without becoming contentious, and why it matters so much to be informed with our country. I really believe you'll find so many takeaways that will help all of us navigate these current uncharted waters with the rapid changes we're seeing in our country now and leading up to an election year. All right, today I have a couple of very talented, very intelligent, very amazing women that are going to educate us on something that's so important, and that is American politics. And I have with me the American moms, Brittany and Andrea. Say hi, guys. Hey. Hey. And tell us where you're joining from. So this is Andrea, and I am in Richland, Washington. Awesome. And Brittany is in Rapid City, South Dakota. Love it. So we're kind of dotting the country right now. This is fun because I'm obviously in Southern California. So today we are going to, like I said, talk about our country, about politics. This is a topic that I typically completely stay away from because it intimidates me. It seems to upset people. Um, But it's so important. So hopefully we can have a good discussion today and build some bridges for people and help people to know where they can become educated, why these things really are important, and maybe how we can be better parents and teach our kids. And those are some of the things that I want to talk about. So, but first of all, tell me about your guys' background and how you became passionate about this topic in general. Brittany, you can go first because you became passionate about it before I did. Yeah. (laughs) So my passion kind of started when I was a sophomore at BYU. I randomly took a trip to DC with some of my friends. We just, I don't even think we had days of school off. We decided to to go. And that first kind of intrigued me Mm -hmm. because I had never growing up, this wasn't something that we discussed in our home at all. And all of the kids in our family, there's four of us, we all kind of ended up doing it, which is really odd. (laughs) So after that semester, that week in DC, I kind of just kind of caught this like bug. And then my junior year at BYU, I kind of felt like I was in a slump and I wanted to go do a semester abroad, but it wasn't exactly in my budget. So I did Washington seminar. So I don't know if you're familiar with BYU's Washington seminar program, but it is a semester a semester in Washington, D.C. So um, the school owns this gorgeous brick townhome right on the edge of Georgetown. So right in the hub of Washington. And I think they select maybe 40 students every semester to go. And then they help line up internships. So I interned at C-SPAN, which is like so like nerd alert, I know. (laughs) But I would walk by the White House every day on my way home from work. And I would just stare at it. I kept thinking like someday... I want to work there. And I have no idea how to make that happen, but it's going to happen. And I remember sometimes you have a good experience and then time goes by and it, you kind of forget about it. Mm-hmm. So by my last day of my internship, I walked out C-SPAN's in the same building as like Fox News and NBC. And it's right by the U.S. Capitol. And I remember t- 
turning right out of the building and it was nighttime, it was December um, and the stars were shining brightly and the Capitol was all lit up like so majestically. And it was like, this light came down on me. It was like, you have to come back here. You're going to go back to school and you're going to forget how wonderful this was, but you can't forget. You have to wow. come back. So I felt like it was something that I was meant to do. And so I always just had that in the back of my mind and I looked for ways to come back. And so after BYU, I went and worked on President Bush's reelection campaign um, with the connection that I had from my internship. And I worked in Nevada and the great swing state of Nevada. And I got to experience what campaigning is all about. Mm -hmm. And so that was fun. And then that led me to um, work for Secretary Mike Levitt. He was the governor of Utah. And he was... At first, he was the EPA secretary, and then he was the secretary of health. So I ended up, so funny, on my internship, um, Secretary Lovett was being confirmed for the EPA secretary, and I ended up in the elevator with him one day when he was on in the elevator for an interview. And I talked to him and his chief of staff, and they gave me their card, and they're like, if you want a job after you're done, let us know. So DC and politics in general, it's all about like networking Mm -hmm. and connections. And so that just kind of got me on the road where I needed to go. And so it was that elevator ride <laughs> started wow. the whole thing. And it just kind of went from there. So I worked for Secretary Levitt in his public affairs office for a little while. And then I, um, there was an opening in White House, um, the presidential speechwriting office. And I got the job and ended up there. And it was fascinating and hard, but it was kind of like, I always say it was like a master's program in American politics because I still at that point didn't know a ton, which going into the White House, you should probably know more than I knew. <laughs> um, so it's just been a, an interesting experience, a wild ride. And then I um, got married and started having kids. I worked for a U.S. congressman um, in Richmond, Virginia for a while. And I think it was while I was there, Andrea, right? That you, she was a re- used to be a news reporter. I'll let her tell you about how okay. she got into to politics from there. Yeah. So I was a reporter. So I was on one end of the communication spectrum and I was a reporter first in Washington state and then in Florida. And I worked for a couple of different CBS affiliates and Brittany was always nagging on me to come up. She's like, you need to come to DC. It's so amazing up here. And, but you know, when you're twins, you don't want to be like so twinish that everything you do is exactly the same. So yes. I was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. But um, it was when I was in Florida and my contract with my station was wrapping up and I honestly had a dream about being in DC. And I woke up and I felt like, oh my goodness, I have to move there. (laughs) So I moved there without even having a passion for politics. But like Brittany said, she said she got caught a bug. And for those of people who don't know what she's talking about, like, nah, she didn't get sick. Like if people call it (laughs) public fever (laughs) and it's when you like get really passionate about politics, DC just kind of makes you that way. And it just, it's awe inspiring and you move there and it's so cool to watch politics up close, you know, front and center. And um, I applied for a job in Senator Bob Bennett's office from Utah. Mm-hmm. And so I worked in his press office for a number of years. And then when his term ended, I worked for a senator from Kansas as his press secretary. So I've worked on both ends of the communication spectrum. And the one in politics was definitely my most favorite. And there's just something about watching democracy up close that it's really neat and it's cool. And I, so that's how I got into it. So then fast forward to now, what inspired you guys to start the American Moms? So it was an Instagram and is it also a blog? 
it's a it's americanmoms.com but we do okay. most we do a lot of things on instagram on instagram um so it was the last big election cycle the last big presidential election cycle so almost 4 years ago and i think it was the day after the election and things were like on fire on facebook on an everywhere and people were like you know up in up in arms about who won and how did it happen and and um it just was crazy and Brittany and I realized, wow, people don't really understand. Like, people were making it seem like, wow, President Trump's going to be in office for forever. Like, how did he and like and like he just won for no reason. Like, how did it happen? And they didn't understand how things worked. And and it's just like you know, the next election cycle, if he's not working out, we can vote. Everybody can vote somebody else in. It's not a big deal. So anyway, so we decided that we wanted to try to help educate people in this fun world of politics in a fun way. So, cause it's like, like you said, it's kind of a topic that people steer clear of and mm-hmm. it it's scares people and it intimidates people, Yes, but it shouldn't be that way because it's, there's nothing really intimidating about it. Um, it's just a whole different topic that people always avoid because like you said, it, people get kind of ugly and nasty about it. Yeah. And so anyway, so we thought if we could have some fun with it and teach people in a more lighthearted, fun way, then maybe it could help people be more informed for the next round of the election. So here we are. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I well, and to be fair, I a little bit fell into that category of, oh, my goodness, what just happened? Because my my association, my earliest association with President Trump that I can remember is watching Home Alone 2 and see (laughs) and seeing him on there and being like, who's that guy, you know, as a kid and. And it's funny that, and then we would see him on that TV show, um, The Apprentice. The Apprentice, yes. And now he's our president. You know, it kind of did feel like, wow, where did this come from? Um, So I have really appreciated what you guys share and that it feels very, I love that you share things from both sides, it feels like, and it's, it's some, it's a place that feels safe to me to become educated. And I love that. But I wanted to ask you guys, why do you, why is this topic so hard for people to talk about without arguing? Why is it, why does it become controversial within our families and our friendship groups? Like, what is it about politics that makes it so hard? We were just talking about this. We were just talking about this. And I, I honestly think it all comes down to, and maybe there's several reasons, but, and if you think about this, it's hard to deny it. When you see someone with an opposing view, your first instinct is to be like, oh, I have to change their mind. I have to tell them why they're wrong. You know, like that's what you instantly go to, but really that's not our job. That's not our job. Even a little bit is to tell people why they're wrong. And so I think, unfortunately we live in a day and age where we have so labelized people and put them in a box. So it's not just, we're all people and we're all citizens. It's, you know, the Republicans and the conservatives and on one side. And on the other hand, it's the liberals and the Democrats. And so when we hear that that's what somebody is, what is our first instinct? And if it's to think something ugly or to think, okay, we can't be friends, then that's a problem. So I think the first step um, in getting over that is to stop categorizing people that way. And I know it's hard to do when the media is doing it and we're surrounded by it. And there's this book by Eleanor Roosevelt that I'll have to send you a link to. It's called um, You Learn by Living. And she has this whole chapter devoted to being a good citizen and how to talk to people who are different than you. Mm -hmm. And I just ate this book up. I loved it so much. She talks about how, you know, mutual respect 
is the basis of all civilized human relationships. Um, It's our families, it's work, it's the workforce, it's church, it's groups of friends. So every setting and situation. And the sooner our children can realize that and be taught that nobody really does things alone and that we all need to learn how to handle people, even though we're so different, the better off the next generation and our society as a whole will be. So I think how we do that is we build a foundation of respect. We get rid of those awful labels and we try to really see each other. And if we're too busy trying to point out where people are wrong and trying to change their minds and judging them and not seeing them. And by seeing them, I guess I mean, um, quit dehumanizing them with those labels and try to understand where they're coming from. So people who like maybe for an example, um, like immigration, it's a very hot topic right now. So maybe if you don't agree that we should have a wall, you know, and you talk to somebody who does, instead of, you know, yelling at them and having a heated conversation, there's almost always a reason why somebody believes what they do. Mm-hmm. And it's getting behind it and understanding like, oh, okay, I understand. Like maybe your family came from Venezuela or Mexico or wherever when they were younger and you have stories behind it that have made you think that way. So there's always a reason why people feel the way that they do right. and really seeing them having us understand it and talking it out with them is what will help and end all of the ugliness. I think. Yeah. I don't know if Andrew has anything else to add. Yeah. Well, I just remember Senator Bennett and his wife, Joyce used to always say, it's hard to hate somebody that you know. And mm. so I think often, like Brittany said, we view people in these categories as you're either this or you're this. And if you're not this, like I am, then we can't be friends because we have nothing in common. But if you actually know people, even when they think differently than you, because we all have friends who don't think the same way that we do. And that's what makes us, that's what makes the world go around, right? That's what, anyway, but if you actually know them and understand what makes them tick, then it's hard to like hate them or to like bash them for the way they believe because we understand why they believe that way or why they think that way. And that's been advice that's been really helpful to me in those kinds of ugly debates. Yeah. <laughs> is trying to see things from, oh, well, oh, well, they think that way because of this. Or I don't understand why they don't think that way or why they think that way, but I can respect them for that because I know their background's different than mine. tried to really pay attention to being careful of labels too because I think that our kids are observing when we're saying oh this type of person or they're this or they're that or whatever you know they're they're listening and I really want to teach them more of what you guys are talking about that we're all part of humanity and not you know this person's so different from us because of this or that person you know is Mm -hmm. this type of person so Um, I think that's really important. So, okay, now I want to move on to a question that I think you guys deal with so well on your account, but it's something that I think about all the time. So going into any type of election or anytime there's anything in the media or whatever, I want to be educated. I want to feel like I understand. I'm not being swayed by just one person's opinion, but there's so much now with biased news sources as a nice way to say it. Um, So where do you guys tell people are the best places to educate yourselves or how do you educate yourself in a way that is fair and equal and balanced? Or do you have like tips on that? Yes. So our number one tip is do not get your news from one source only. 
Okay. That is like the surest fire way to put yourself in that vacuum where you're not hearing the other side or understanding. Um, so, and I also <laughs> Facebook, Facebook is uh, not a news source. Don't try to educate yourself through Facebook. <laughs> and <laughs> it's nice to hear other people's opinions sometimes. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting that she feels this way. But Facebook news is the worst place you can go. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it's negative about one candidate, sorry, Facebook. Um, but that's just one person venting usually. And yep. so that's not helpful necessarily. Um, and sometimes also the, the minority on a view has the loudest voice. And so we think, oh, I can't say what I think because that's, I'll get chewed out for it when that's really probably not the case, but Isn't that true. That, yeah. That perception that is way. reality. Yes, that's right. So again, we can't emphasize enough. Do not get your news from any single source. Um, you'll be living in a bubble. So a good rule is, so if Fox news says one thing and CNN says the opposite, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't get trapped in that echo chamber of just one viewpoint. So some good sources um, that we like, and I'm sure there will be some listeners who won't maybe agree with us, but um, BBC is kind of like the global standard bearer for excellence in journalism. Um, okay. Sadly, you'll probably find better information there than the same stories on a US news site. Foreign policy includes so much government cooperation with the US news outlets. So sometimes the best alternative is to go to a foreign news outlet because they're less have their hands tied in or less biased. Um, Another thing you can do, and again, it's total nerd alert and like maybe people think this is so boring, but C-SPAN is a great way to get unbiased news because you're watching it, the event happen without the input of a commentator. You're just watching it firsthand. Um, And you'll be surprised to discover how much of those reporters twist what was actually said mm. in a hearing. So that's a good way. Um, other good news outlets that I like, um, I like the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. Um, the Washington Post was bought recently by um, Amazon, <laughs> His, the founder of Amazon. So it's kind of started becoming, a, they're experimenting with different ways to present the news. So it's kind of fun. Another, and they really have high standards of reporting too. They've won Pulitzer Prizes for the columns and they're really backed up by like fact-based reporting more than just commentary. Okay. So, so that's there's, there's, there's those big things. And Brittany, maybe we should talk about like, cause I bet a lot of people listening are like really busy moms or really busy yes. girls. Yeah. We're like, I don't have time to skim all those websites or to sit um, and watch C-SPAN. No, I know. I know. <laughs> that's true. But, um, so there, here's a, a few really easy things that some busy people can do. Okay. I, for years, since I worked on Capitol Hill, I've subscribed to this email called the skim. Have you ever heard of them? No. The are, okay. So we'll sometimes they're a the little bit more leaning politically one way or the other, which you will easily see. But for the most part, they in every morning on East Coast time, like at 630 East Coast time. So you'd get an email in your inbox, like at 330 or 430 in the morning, yeah. West Coast time. Um, they send you this email. It's called the skim. And they've literally like skimmed the news for you. Mm-hmm. And they tell you in a really entertaining way, everything that you need to know. Like if you were to go have a conversation with moms on the playground or people at work. It's everything you need to know really quickly to get educated on the news of the day. Cool. And then that afternoon they release a skim podcast. So in 10 minutes or less, they'll like, they'll give you a breakdown of the news that day. And it's actually, it's super entertaining. So you don't feel bored or overwhelmed listening to it. Okay. And then, and so there's the skim. So that's one plug for them, I guess. But the other one is on Instagram, one of our, um, fellow BYU alum, <laughs> her name is mad mads. And she, she started something called minute with mads. 
Have you heard of okay. that one? I have So on not. Instagram, she's this, the cutest girl. She just graduated from BYU a couple years ago. And she started this really quick way to absorb the news because she also noticed that this was a problem, not being able to see what was true out there or too much information and not knowing where to go. So she will give you the news in a minute, in one minute. Cool. And it's all okay. Instagram based. So a lot of people are on Instagram anyway. So this is a really easy way to go and um, and she's also really entertaining. So Minute with Mads on Instagram. Wow, in one minute. That's remarkable to me because yeah. I have a hard time talking about a concealer in one minute or like a, <laughs> a t-shirt in one minute. I'm always like, oh my gosh, I got to fit this into three Insta frames. Like, forget it. It's so hard. So hers might not be the most interesting, like um, most important news of the day, but it's something that people are talking about generally. Okay. Like cool. a hot topic. Yeah, yeah cool. exactly. I love that. Those are such great tips. We'll have to put all of these um, into the show notes, along with, I meant to mention that, um, the El- Eleanor Roosevelt book too. I love her. Okay. She and I share a birthday. Oh, um, we'll awesome. have to put her book also in the show notes. So if anyone's listening to this, you can go to the show notes to get the links to all these things that we've mentioned. Um, and one other tip, I am like the least politically informed person, probably most of the time, but this is my <laughs> hack is that I have a little echo in my bathroom and I will oh. say, Alexa, tell me the news. And they pull BBC yeah, news. I do that too. Yeah. And it's usually like, it feels like it's about two or three minutes long. Does that sound mm-hmm. about right? Yeah, yep. that's right. And she'll even, and I just learned this recently, if there's a topic in the news that you want to know more about, like I've been trying to do um, election updates on our blog more. Oh. And I'll say, Alexa, what's the latest with the election? And she'll just give me the recap on just that topic. Cool. So that's another thing you can do too. I didn't know that. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Now let's move on to kids because a lot of my listeners have kids. How do you talk to your kids about politics? How do you teach them the things that are actually important and not stress them out about the things that, you know, yeah. make them feel overwhelmed? Um, but, you know, educate where, where to start and what your tips are on educating kids about, you know, our country and politics and how things work. Because there's a lot that even makes my head spin with how elections work and the votes and, you know, all of the things that go into that. (laughs) All of the things. Yeah. So it obviously starts at home. And like we said, we didn't grow up with those kinds of conversations, like probably a lot of people. Um, But we are trying to be really good examples at home of educating our children. And there are so many different ways you can do that. And it starts, I think, with everyday conversation. When there's big things happening in the news, even if your kids are young, it's okay to talk to them about what's going on in a kid-friendly way. Mm-hmm. So my kids, my oldest is only six. She and her four-year-old sister, they know who the president is and they know um, who's on the back of the penny, you know, little things like that. And yeah. so there's, there's ways we can incorporate our children into conversations about what's happening. And Brittany's kids are a little bit older than mine. And so she has some, maybe some different ways, but um, so conversations, talking on the way to school about, um, certain things that are happening. Um, just every day talking about why being an American is important to you, what you love about our country. When there's patriotic holidays coming up, t- celebrating those meaningfully and not just, you know, going to um, get candy at the, at the parades, but like, why are we having this parade? Why yeah. are there these, who are these old men marching down the streets, carrying flags, you know, talking to them about veterans and um, why they're there and what they did for our country and and things like that, and incorporating every things that we see and why we do them, and explaining them to your children, I think is a, a big, huge thing. Brittany, what are some and of your input? My kids love going with me to vote, <laughs> and like oh. if I want to go get it done first thing in the morning while they're at school, 
they'll say, please, please wait for me. I want to come with you. So, and I've started, like, I will go research what's on the ballot and I'll talk about those with my kids. And so that way, when I'm voting, I'll say, like, remember we talked about this. So I'm voting yes. And remember we talked about why. And they, they love that. And I think one thing I read um, also in this Eleanor Roosevelt book is, so the basic duties of citizenship are learned right at home. And she says, it's almost just as easy to raise indifferent, apathetic, intolerant kids as it is to raise them informed, interested, and responsible citizens. And so given, you know, half a chance, most kids will rise to the occasion. Like they really will. They, I mean, what kid doesn't love to be responsible for something and to be given um, something to do? Um, it makes them more confident human beings. So the more we talk about things with them, the better off they'll be. And that's also one thing is reading with your kids. I just read a quote that is something like, or a stat that if you are consider yourself a reader, you're 30% more likely to vote um, mm. because you're more aware of what's going on around you and more aware of the issues. So yeah. just being aware, um, reading on lots of different topics with your kids. Um, and we talk about a lot of things in the car on the way to school too. So we just make it, someone just actually sent us a message <laughs> um, last night. They're like, we, my kids just asked about the election and we weren't sure what to tell them. Um, and the primaries are confusing and they don't understand it. But the more every day we talk about these little bit of things um, with them, then on election day, it's not weird. And it's not some foreign concept Yeah, because you've been talking about it all along and they understand it. So that would be just my, my tip. Just start talking about little things every day and the little things all add up to an aware kid who knows what's going on. Okay. I love that. Do you guys have any books for children that you suggest that you like? Yes, there's a million. <laughs> oh goodness. Yes. There's so many. Um, so one thing, my, so I love history. I'm a big history buff. So we talk about, um, there's a lot of books about people from history when they were kids that our kids love to read and so when we go on a trip like we're going to San Francisco in a couple of weeks and so to get our kids ready for it we're reading them books about the history of the city about earthquake um we watched documentary on Alcatraz Mm. so just preparing them like if you know you're going on a trip somewhere and you're wherever it is there's always historical sites that you can go to or always background you can look up so that's one way another way to get kids more involved what other books we can send you a list Oh, yeah, no, we have a, we have a, actually a blog post about some kids, only, but there are so many, there are like a, a billion <laughs> books about um, people like historical figures mm-hmm. that are entertaining to kids and about our country. Um, I'm trying to think about some of my, we have a book called house mouse, Senate mouse <laughs> that my kids oh, love to read oh, my, about, my how kids love that one Democrat, about how a bill gets passed and it goes through. And anyway, it's some really cute things. So that would be yeah. really cool. Yeah. I'd love to I'd love to be able to post that list too on our show notes and um, gosh, there's just so much to teach. And I remember when I started learning about some of those things, feeling like this is overwhelming. I'm never going to get it. And, you know, as an adult, I've slowly come to understand things a little bit better, but, but I love your suggestion of just starting somewhere and having small conversations all the time. Yeah. Cause I don't want my kids to feel apathetic or what did you the phrase you used apathetic and intolerant intolerant and yeah yeah so um another question that I have is I guess when I want to talk to my kids about our views or maybe our um beliefs as parents I also am so worried that they're gonna go and repeat whatever I told them to someone who you know they just don't have the filter 
that adults do, you know? So I guess, how do you feel like you teach your kids what you guys believe in without having them, without worrying that they're going to go and offend someone if, if they're having a playground conversation with somebody else who has a, comes from a totally different family? Yeah, that's hard because unfortunately we kind of live in an era where no matter what they say, somebody's going to be offended. Right. Yeah, true. <laughs> and I think that what we have to teach them is that no matter what, you can stand up for what you believe in in a respectful way. Mm. Like it's okay if the the kids on the playground didn't don't think that same way, but you can talk to them about it respectfully and kindly. I remembered when my oldest, he's 10 now, but I think he was like six or seven and we just moved here. <laughs> and we talk about politics all the time. And he started talking about it in his primary class. And luckily he didn't offend his teacher but she thought it was so funny what he said. I can't remember what it was now. She came up after me. She's like, I just want to meet the mom who has a son who knows all about who President Trump is. <laughs> and she's like, because most kids don't even know who he is or, or they've heard incorrect things or whatever. Um, so you do have to be careful, but that doesn't mean you should avoid it. Yeah. So that you shouldn't not talk about it. Um, right. Instill in your kids a respect. Mm -hmm. So no matter who the president is, whether we agree with them or not, um, it's the office we respect and it's okay if we don't agree with everything that they stand for, we can still talk respectfully about them. And right. you're right. They pick up on things like that when we don't. So yeah, just gotta be extra careful. Yeah. Oh, it's hard, but I agree that it's, it's important to try, you know, to try and to talk because yeah, at least for me, I don't want my kids to just, I don't want to be so afraid that I'm raising them in the dark and they don't understand or they don't know or they're mm -hmm. not educated. So, um, okay, I want to talk a little bit about political climate in our country right now. Mm -hmm. It's, it, you know, and I, part of me feels like it's not as bad as people are saying it is because I think it's, if we go back to that, like perception is reality and the loudest voices sometimes feel like the majority when they're actually not. And when I mm -hmm. log on to Facebook, it's typically the same types of posts over and over from people who just want to be heard. And so I think it, it makes it feel like, oh my gosh, all my neighbors are mad at each other and nobody can get along. Um, but what do you guys, I know you're doing this really cool challenge right now about getting to know your neighbors. And I just would love for you to talk about what we can do to contribute as good humans to a better political climate and what you think, why it's important to know your neighbors and what you can do to build bridges. So I think the very most important thing is that we always think about politics and we think about it on the national scale mm -hmm. and how what's happening in DC, how it's affecting us. Yes. But it really starts with what's happening in your own neighborhoods, in your own communities. And that's actually those things that are happening in our city council meetings and in our school boards. It's those things that are having the bigger impact on our lives. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to know your neighbors, right? Yep. To do nice things for them because we can create an atmosphere of love and unity and respect amongst our own neighbors. Like it starts with us. Yeah. And also I think if we know our local leaders, it's easier to go and voice your opinion to people that you know, or people that you go. Um, so I had a friend who lives down the street from us who just ran for school board mm -hmm. and I took my kids out to campaign with her. And so they mm -hmm. saw we, everywhere we'd drive around town, they would see her signs and uh, they get so excited. Like, Oh, there's another Carrie sign. And um, after the election, did she win? Did she win? They wanted to know if she won, if the work that they put in helped her win. Yeah. And um, it's important to know that like the things that you're doing on a local level, that's really Sure, the the national stuff matters too because that's the stuff we hear about the most. 
but it matters what we're doing in our neighborhoods and in our cities. And um, the easiest way to get involved is by knowing your neighbors, by going to city council meetings and by going to school board meetings. And because those are the things that are by and large affecting us more than anything else going on in this country. And that's that's where we can make a big difference is by getting involved in those local issues. And um, a lot of people don't want to go to school board meetings because they think that like, well, my kids are grown now. It doesn't really matter. But those school board policies that are getting implemented, that's what's helping raise the generation that's going to be our next generation of leaders in our cities and towns. And so even if you have kids that are grown, getting involved in those kinds of things are really important because the school board policies and what's happening in our schools, like that's creating our next generation of leaders in our cities and towns and even in our country. So I think it's really important to to think about it that way. Okay. I have a follow-up question with that too, because I so agree with what you're saying about it. Some of the most important things are happening right in our neighborhoods. When I go to vote, there are so many issues that mm-hmm. I am like, I've never even heard of this. What is this? Like, oh, I know, you know, the recycling program and the this and the that program. And um, what are your tips for being better educated on local things? Are there places you can go to read? Are there tips that you have for becoming better prepared for elections when you walk in to place your vote? Yes. So if you are back to the whole keeping up on the news thing and Actually, I'm going to read you a quote because I had to teach a Relief Society thing on politics a few months ago. And I, where is it? Okay. So it says, the best single way to improve, this is from Neil A. Maxwell, by the way. Um, He's one of our church leaders. He says, Mm -hmm. the best single way to improve the quality of life in America is to improve the quality of our own individual lives and our own neighborhoods. Otherwise, all those failures cannot be corrected by mere legislation. Therefore, while great leaders are needed, so also are informed and wise followers. Citizenship and leadership are intertwined. Mm. Um, so I think part of that key, he says, is it's important to be informed. And um, so if you're not just reading the national headlines, but like every now and then peruse your local headlines or watch your local news. I know sometimes I was a news reporter for some local stations and it's, it's really hard for me to watch because I know what goes on <laughs> behind the scenes. So I don't like watching. Anyway, but there are certain ways you can get to be informed about what's happening. Um, and I think also, so I live in Washington state and we, everything is voted by mail here. We, we only do vote by mail. Hmm. So we never actually go to the polls. But so okay. with that comes a voter pamphlet. And it's just, I get, depending on what's on the ballot, it's either a really thick little thing they send to every voter or a little thin little pamphlet. And okay. every single issue that is on your ballot is listed in there explaining um, what that referendum is or what that initiative is or that they want to get passed or what this, you know, that tax money would go to if it was passed. And um, I, I'm pretty sure, I was just talking about this with Brittany before this started. I think every county has one of those or every state has one of those. And if they don't send it to every voter, then I think you can actually go and request one with your county um, offices because um, I think it's, I don't know if it's law, but I think like they want your, they want voters to be informed. Our leaders actually want voters to be informed right. <laughs> despite what we think. And so they offer those materials to you. So if you haven't heard about it in your local news or in your local newspaper, then you can actually go and request information. It should all be leaders. online too. If you go to your county website, it should all be on there. And they usually have okay. a sample ballot. So that way you'll say, oh, okay, this doesn't make sense to me, but I can go learn more information. Okay. So yeah, it should all be online. Oh, that's a great tip. Um, yeah, there, there definitely have been things that I've 
scene and been like, what is this? And then suddenly we're paying 10 cents per grocery bag. And I, <laughs> I'm like, I guess I voted on that. I don't remember voting on it, but <laughs> now this is a thing. Um, Brittany, do you have anything to add as far as contributing to a better political climate? Yes. So, so not only familiarize yourself with the issues and start paying attention, but start making some effort. So I think when we hear the word politics, it immediately has this negative connotation. Mm -hmm. And that's where you say like, we don't want to discuss it. We don't, we're afraid, but politics is really just the participation of a citizen in its government. So, and I want to read some, uh, Andrew wrote a quote too. And I want to, there's one again by my favorite Eleanor Roosevelt about voting. Um, and so she says the minimum, the very basic minimum of a citizen's duty is to cast a vote on election day. Even now, too few of us discharge this minimal duty. By such negligence, such indifference, such sheer laziness, we discard unused a gift and a privilege obtained at a gigantic cost and sacrifice. So every time I hear that, I think, okay, so that's the minimum of our duty, right? The very basic minimum. So then what else is required? And I think one, being aware is the first step. So people are like, I don't even know where to start. Being aware, just looking around you, start like in your neighborhood because you know better than anyone else what goes on where you live. So, and it's also talking about it with your neighbors and your friends is good because one, it gets them more aware as well. But two, I think it helps you realize what you do or do not understand. Like mm -hmm. someone the other day asked us to explain the electoral college. I'm like, oh, that's easy. I got this. And so I started explaining it out loud to my son. And I'm like, wait, 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 that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I'm like, I had to go back and research it to figure out exactly, like it just helps you crystallize things in your mind. Yeah. Um, how much understanding you really do have and how much more you need to learn, I guess. So um, talking about things, again, in a kind, respectful, mm -hmm. civilized way also will help. And we talked about seeing people and understanding where they're coming from. I think that alone right there, it's so funny because I belong to this Facebook group that usually thinks a little bit differently than I do <laughs> about politics. And one of them said something about how they couldn't fall asleep at night and they've been ha had so much anxiety because of the president and they're just so worked up and so upset over it that they can't sleep at night. I thought like, wow, that's like really dramatic. <laughs> um, and I think if the president, whoever is in office is having that kind of effect on your mental health, then you're thinking about it the wrong way because yes, it should, it does matter who our president is um, and it matters who's in office, but it shouldn't affect our mental health. <laughs> right? It, we should be out in our communities doing good and doing things to better it, not letting um, one person have that much sway over our mental health. I don't uh, know if that yeah, makes sense. It does make sense. And, you know, the beautiful thing is we still live in the United States of America where we still have, we enjoy so many freedoms that so many people do not enjoy, you know, and, right. and we have so much to be grateful for. And that's what I think I feel sad about when I see people really getting down on our country and what's going on is like, guys, we still have so much to be grateful for here. And let's, if we don't focus on what we have to be grateful for and what good things that we still have going, we, we will lose sight of that and we'll all get sucked into the negative, you know, I mean, I don't care what side you're on or where you're at with politics. There's there are plenty of things to be negative about right now. But if that's the focus that everyone chooses, we are going to feel like we're living in a miserable place when really it's just the opposite. Like we still live in 
such an incredible country here and have it. We just enjoy so many freedoms and blessings and things that other people would literally give anything for. So yeah. yes, that's right. And I remind my kids about that every time they complain about going to school. Like <laughs> there are still, even in 2020, there are countries out there where kids, that is not a right. Yeah. They don't automatically get to go to school and we, they don't automatically get to go to church. Like right. that is a privilege. Right. And it's so easy to forget that yes. and, and take it for granted. And yes. yeah, you're absolutely right. So many right. kids that, that they could only dream of going to school instead of working on their family's farm or their family or whatever, you know, being put to work at a very young age and never having the privilege of being educated. So Yep, I yeah. agree with you. Or women and I think we having the opportunity to vote and women having the opportunity to be as loud of a voice as you want here. Yeah. You know, a lot of countries in the world, it's still, it's not that way. And yeah. even we have so much more of an opportunity than other countries do because politics for us isn't just a career that, you know, some shady people have or want. Politics is a way and a means to get things done in our communities. I think that we forget that. So as a citizen, we can accomplish certain things for our families um, all by political action. Mm -hmm. So like if they're just as an example, if your schools, if you need, if you're concerned about your schools in your community, like the first thing you be like, okay, well, what's wrong with the schools? And you do your research and you figure out what could be better and what it is that you don't like. Um, and then you go and talk to a leader about it. So, I mean, just the fact that we have the ability to go and speak to the people we voted in is amazing because not every country has that. So I always like to say politics is not a spectator sport. Um, <laughs> it involves everybody, not just on the sidelines, but it, we, it requires everyone's participation. Okay. And so that's what something I like to involve my kids in is as we drive around, like some of our, <laughs> some of our parks here in our, in our city are a little bit old. <laughs> um, yeah. And my son the other day, or it was last summer, he's like, we, we can't even play on these slides right now because they're this old aluminum material that like is so hot. And I'm like, well, James, like you should write the mayor about that then. And guess what? He did. And the mayor wrote him back. And the next fall, we drove by as they were putting a new park in. And now was that just my son? No, but he was so excited that he had even thought that maybe he had played a role in getting a new playground at this park. Yeah. So like, there's just, there's lots of ways to get kids involved that aren't the weird political things that we think about. Like it's all, it's all politics. It's all just being involved and looking for ways to make things better and making your voice heard. And if we don't talk to our leaders and let them know what we care about, then how would they know? They have no way of knowing. So it's a two-way street. It's getting them elected, but then also communicating with them. Yeah. So. I love that. Okay. You guys are doing such a good thing with your account and with what you shared here and just being, being a voice for good. I really am so grateful that I stumbled upon, I don't even remember how I found you. Maybe it was our mutual friend, Lindsay Bird. Um, Lindsay Nielsen. I always, always call her her name. But, <laughs> um, but we love Lindsay, the Lindsay Report. We do. Um, anyway, I, yeah, I'm just grateful for all the good that you guys do. So I have one last question for both of you. And that is if there's one message that people remember as they walk away from this interview, what do you want that one message to be? Okay, can I read you a quote that kind of goes along with this? Yes. This is my all-time favorite political quote. Okay, it's by Theodore Roosevelt. And he says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, 
who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And I think that's the whole point of this whole everything that we're doing is the credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, right? The person who's actually trying. We can go on Facebook or wherever and complain all the day long, <laughs> but what are you doing about it? Mm-hmm. You can feel that way, but what are you doing about it? Are you voting? Did you vote? You complain about it, but did you vote? You know, um, mm-hmm. voting numbers are so low. And so we have so much to complain about and such a voice about everything that's going on in our world. But are we voting? Are we taking action to get those people that we want in office in office? Because even on a national scale, if there are people that you're passionate about being the next president, go stand behind them, do something, get in the arena. Because if we don't, we have no room to complain at all. And that's my takeaway is actually go and do something, voting be the, being the first thing. Thank you, Andrea. Mm-hmm. Brittany, what's your Oh my gosh, that's amazing, message? Andrea. I can't top that. <laughs> I, I think we also before um, this morning, we were talking about how, like I said, politics isn't a spectator sport. And we can't just leave it or the future of our country or the future of our kids to somebody else. I won't read the quote to you, but I'll kind of paraphrase it. Um, One reason I love history so much is because we look at all these amazing people who have done so many great things and we think, wow, like they were just right where they need to be at the right time in history. But we forget that that's us too. Like we, um, every single one of us has something great inside of us and a way that we can make a difference. And we just have to find it. And whether that's just being aware and looking around you in your community and deciding something that needs to change, we all can make a bigger difference than we realize. So there's mine. Beautiful. I love it. Well, I really have enjoyed this so much. And I feel like this is going to help a lot of people feel less intimidated, more educated, more empowered to go do something during, especially during an election year. So I really appreciate you guys giving your time today and all of your thoughts. Um, Where can people find you if they want to follow along and um, continue to be inspired by you? We are on Instagram at The American Moms. And we also have a blog where we post um, some helpful information and some fun political, like historical recipes. And it's at theamericanmoms.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks, Corinne. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.